This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Great to see everyone. My name is Pete, if I've not had the privilege of meeting you. Hi, everybody on the live stream. Uh, great to, uh, it's so great that we get to do this, isn't it? Like Brandy said, it, worshiping together, being family together, being community together, coming around God's word together, which we're about to do, and worshiping together is so good. And we're so glad that people at home are still able to, to access that. And you're uh, massively a part of this as well. And we're going to uh, come to an end of a series today. We're, we've been in the desert, haven't we, for a while. We, we looked at faith in the desert and then this journey beyond the desert where we've kind of been doing part two. Maybe you've noticed that, that we looked at in faith in the desert. Uh, we looked at different people like, the, like Moses and John the Baptist and, and Jesus. Uh, and then in this series, we've gone beyond the desert. We've looked at well, what happens next. What happened when they came out of the desert? And here's my sense for us this morning, just looking around this room and, and seeing new people in the room and knowing that people are coming to faith and Alpha's happening and uh, we're getting, uh, we, we had Life Women Breakfast and Life Men Breakfast. Things are happening in our community. Things are happening in the world around us, but things are happening in our, in our community and there's a sense of advancing. There's a sense of maybe as we're coming out of this, we know that COVID is still here, we know we're still in this situation, but... There's a sense of maybe we're coming out of a season and into a new season. And so that's what we're talking about, beyond the desert. And my sense is this, that beyond the desert, we advance. As we come out of this thing, we come out of this together. Beyond the desert, we advance. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at some scripture uh, connected to Jesus. A few weeks ago, uh, we we spoke from the story of Jesus in the desert, being prepared for his ministry, 40 days of prayer and fasting, facing this temptation, overcoming the evil one, and being prepared for his public ministry, Matthew 4, 1 to 11. So today, we're going to look at Matthew 4, verse 12, and the rest of that passage. And we're going to look at the question, what happened next when Jesus came out of the the desert, beyond the desert, what did Jesus begin to do? So let's get, let's get straight into it. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 12. It's going to be on the screen. Actually, I'd love to pray for us. I'd love to pray for us as we get into God's Word. God, I pray for each one in the room. I pray for open hearts and open minds. Lord, for each one at home, Lord, everyone on the live stream, open hearts, open minds. Lord, as we approach your word, that we'd be fertile soil, that we'd be open to receive what you might want to speak to us this morning. And God, I pray for each one, even if it's one sentence, if it's one scripture, if it's one idea, Lord, that we'd all take something away from this morning that we can implement in our lives, that can make our lives different, transformed, changed, more like you, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen means bring it on, by the way. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if that means, I don't know if that's in the original language, but my understanding, amen means let it be or I agree. So in my mind, that means bring it on. When we say amen, amen isn't the finish of a sentence. Amen is saying, whatever's in God's heart, I want that. Amen. Bring it on. Amen. Amen. Come on. You you can give me more. Matthew 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. And uh, you may have heard uh, Jeff's awesome message last week where he asked the question, 
the kind of pointing question, what happens when John the Baptist dies? And that was last week's message, and you can catch up on that now on YouTube, on the live stream, on the podcast. Uh, and that's verse 12. Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, with, and that arrest leads to his, his death. And then he withdrew to Galilee, verse 13. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the, in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And we'll pause there. Verse 16. So in this little passage, we're told Jesus comes out of the desert. He's faced the temptation. He's faced these three great temptations and he is overcome. He's now prepared. He's locked and loaded. He is prepared and ready for action. He's ready to go beyond the desert and advance his kingdom movement. And the first thing he hears, as Jeff spoke about last week, the first thing he hears is that his cousin, maybe, maybe his mentor in, in, some, uh, in the past, um, a role model in his life, the guy that baptized him has been arrested and that arrest leads to his death. And so he, he withdraws and moves location. Why? Why does he move locations? In a minute, I'm going to show you a map. And for other, for other people who just love Bible, the Bible, and maybe you've got a Bible with a Bible map at the back. Who's actually got a physical Bible in the room? Does it have a map? Because I love these Bibles. Does yours have a map? Mine, um, I don't think mine has a map. Mine's got some measurements and stuff like that. And so... In a moment, a bit later, I'm going to show you an actual map. These are real people in real places, real history. And so one of my questions this morning is going to be, why did Jesus move? Why did Jesus move to all those names that I think I got them all right? Why did he move to that location? And the answer, I believe, is he was looking for a particular kind of person. Maybe actually we could, um, can we show the map? I think it's, it's, the, it's the map moment. There we go. I know it's not, it doesn't look amazing, does it? But this is a map uh, of, a, of the area, Sea of Galilee. So all these places I've just mentioned, uh, you might be familiar with Nazareth, uh, Cana, the wedding at Cana, where Jesus' is first miracle. Uh, but Jesus, in Matthew 4, it says he moved to this particular area, Capernaum, uh, Galilee, around that area. And it's known in history as the Orthodox Triangle. Capernaum, Chorazin, Bethsaida, these three little villages where 11 of the 12 disciples were from this area. So in a moment, we're about to meet the disciples, Matthew 4. Jesus moved to this location because he was looking for something specific. And this area was known for its passion. This area was known for its grit. This area was known for its determination. This area was known for resilience. This is where fishermen came from. And fishermen work hard. You know, they are resilient, they're gritty, they're determined people. But also people full of passion. Maybe a few rebel rousers. I feel like I'm describing East Lancashire to an extent. Like I feel like I'm saying a place known for its passion, a place known for its grit, its determination, its resilience, its hard work. Do I feel like I'm speaking about where you're from? I, I do. I, I was uh, on the Burnley game yesterday and the passion... The passion wasn't on the pitch, but the passion in the stands was incredible. Just that kind of, that fight, that determination, that come on, we can do this. Uh, they, they didn't. Uh, but, but that kind of, that spirit, <laughs> that spirit that was there. 
Jesus moved to this particular place. Why? Because he was looking for something. He was looking for the kind of people that he could maybe build his kingdom with. He was about to launch his kingdom work. Here's what I love about Jesus. He could have gone to a place with more resources. He could have gone to a place where the elites lived, the academic elites, or the, uh, the people with all the power and influence. But actually where he went was where the people who were known for their hard work and known for their passion. That's where he went, this place that we know as the Orthodox Triangle. And I'm going to come back to that thought a bit later when we actually meet the disciples. So the next verse. Matthew 4, verse 17. Jesus has moved to this place. He's fulfilled ancient prophecy by moving there. And then here's his first message. Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. This is his first message. According to Matthew, as he launches his public ministry, he's come out of the desert. He's moving to a place where he can build his team where he can advance his kingdom. And this is his message, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word repentance. I don't know what images come to your mind. I don't know uh, what good or bad experiences you've had with that word. But I want to unpack, I know uh, in the past I've spoken about this word before, but I want to unpack a bit of this word, repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent is an instruction. So one way of seeing the word repent is it's a direct instruction. It's, uh, it's, it's said that it was used as a military term. So for the uh, Roman soldiers, Jesus lives at the time of the Roman Empire, it was a command. It was an instruction that meant turn around, like an about turn. You're heading this direction and repent would mean you turn around and head in the opposite direction. Repent is an instruction. Maybe that's your story. Maybe your life was headed in a certain direction and you heard the call of Jesus. You had an encounter with God. You had some kind of experience with God, with church, with Christianity. And you had this sense of, my life is headed for destruction. My life is headed in the wrong direction. I hear repent and I turn around. I, I turn completely around and face the other way. So repent is an instruction. But repent is also an invitation. Uh, Jesus, in the language that he spoke, uh, the word for repent is this word teshuva. And teshuva means to turn and to return. So it doesn't just mean to turn around. It means to come back. It means to come home. It means to return. It means to be who you're always meant to be. So here's what I want to say about this word repent this morning. Here's maybe a bit of a, a process for us this morning. Repent means this. Stop. Brian did this with us this morning. Stop. Pause. Reflect. Think. Like, actually think about your life. Actually think about where is my life headed? Maybe today's a day to put some things down. I'm going to refer to this again later, but Dan spoke powerfully about this a few weeks ago, putting some things down. Repent means stop, pause, reflect, think, question. Maybe allow the voice of God to speak into your life, to reflect, pause, stop, think. Then turn, turn away. Turn away from the patterns that are destructive in your life. Turn away from these things, but don't just turn around. Come home. Come home to who you're always meant to be. 
Now, I believe that for each one of us, God has a plan and a purpose. God has something for you. God has plans and purposes. Before the universe was rolled into motion, God was thinking of you. God was planning things for you to do. That when God sees you, you know, whatever, however you see yourself in terms of your identity, God sees you as a precious child, as a precious son or daughter. So repent means this, stop, pause, reflect, think, put things down, turn. You don't have to live this way anymore. You don't have to think this way anymore. Like maybe patterns that, maybe that's the way you've lived for forever. Maybe that's the way you were taught to live, but you don't have to live like that. You don't have to think like that. Pause, stop, turn, and return. Come home. Be the person you were always meant to be. Uh, this week we had a part three of Alpha, and Alpha's going great. And this video, this story I'm about to show, it's so good, I thought I can't not share it. It's such a powerful story. It doesn't use the word repent in the story, but it's a beautiful, powerful picture of what repentance looks like, of somebody who stopped, who paused, who reflected, who turned from one way of living and became and is becoming the person that God always wanted him to be. So can we show the video? This is Shane's story. I got in with the wrong crowd and I started to um, pinch cars, burglar houses, uh, become known, me and my friends become known as very high profile thieves really. I used to carry big knives, uh, the, the big knives to the smaller knives down my waist and I was the kind of person where if you pulled a knife out I would use it. I ended up stabbing someone in the head, I ended up um, Stabbing someone, just missing his heart, and going through the top of his shoulder, uh, the, the top of his chest and his shoulder way, he dropped to the floor, and so I was on the run for two attempted murders. And then I was just, when I went to prison, I had such a hatred for the system, and I couldn't handle being told what to do, couldn't handle prison officers mucking me about. When I went out on association, I got the prison officer and I, uh, I stabbed him, and then this led to me going into maximum security prisons, being put on CSC. It's where they feed you through a hatch in the door. There's no physical contact, so they have to have riot shields and riot gear on. Um, and that was my life for a long, long time, basically. And I, I just was going from prison to prison, prison to prison. But then I ended up going to Long Larton in Worcestershire. And when I was in there, I ended up going in an alpha course. Never heard of an alpha course, didn't know anything. And I just remember walking in because they'd sent me down. I sat down on a chair. And I thought, oh no, it's a Christian thing. And we'd just go there every week and I would argue. And the pastor, um, I remember he come to me. He said, right, I'm gonna say a few scriptures first before we pray. And one of them was, no one's righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he said the verses about Jesus and explained a bit why he died on the cross for sinners and stuff. And then he said, pray. So I started praying and I said, uh, God, I said, God, if you're real, come into my life because I hate who I am. And nothing happened. But then as I was talking to the pastor, I started to feel this energy feeling in my stomach and it started to raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up. And I just broke out into uncontrollable 
um, tears. And I just sobbed. <clears throat> and I just... Right there. Because that was a change in my whole life. I knew God was real. Um, and no one will change that now. And then I remember <laughs> running on the wing. People clearly knew that I would become a Christian. So I actually helped them on another two Alpha courses. And then I, I, um, I got released. I've been in a prison where I... Because you would have thought that the prison where I stabbed the prison officers would have been the last prison to have me. But they were the first. That's how God works. The best thing for me is going in prisons and helping the lads in prison and, and trying to tell them about God. I've got um, four kids and then my life. Um, and what upsets me is because now I know um, that back then, if I had the kids, uh, they wouldn't have had a good upbringing. And now they sit on the night and have Bible studies with their dad. Um, <clears throat> A Bible study with a dad, have a life, a beautiful, um, and my life, and it's probably is my wife and my kids are the best gift, apart from the grace God's given me, is the best gift I've ever, he'll ever give me. Didn't expect to cry like that. Recovered now. So this, this isn't the end of the message, but I wanted to give a, an opportunity to respond. So maybe we could just close our eyes where we are. So I want to I pray a prayer of repentance where we get to respond to that. I know that word has been uh, maybe an un unhelpful word for some people or a, an off-putting word, but it's the first word Jesus uses as he begins his ministry. Repent, stop, turn, and return. Come home. So here's my prayer. Today, stop. Turn from any destructive patterns in your life. Stop making yourself the king or queen of your life. You're not the center of the universe. Come home to the family of God. Make Jesus the king of your life and take your place in his mission as a loved son or daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer and, and you want to talk to someone about that today, come and, come and find one of us. Come and talk. Maybe someone that you know. Maybe someone that you need to reach out to. But for some people in the room, that might be the beginning of a journey. Maybe you've come to the edge of yourself and you're looking at your life and you're saying, I want to stop and I want to turn and I want to become who God made me to be. I love that so much in Shane's story. You know, that now, I've, I've not met Shane, but if you met Shane now, I could just imagine him being the gentlest guy, the most loving guy with his four little kids, reading the Bible and praying together. The turnaround in his life is remarkable. And he's becoming who he's meant to be. He's meant to be nurturing. He's meant to be loving. He's meant to be a good dad. He's meant to be gentle. He's stepping into the person he was always meant to be. He stopped. He reflected. He turned and he came home. So repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is a metaphor. Kingdom is a metaphor that Jesus used. It's a reality, but it's language that Jesus used for the particular time that he was in. 
Jesus was trying to communicate the good news of God's reality to a people living in the hope of a promise not yet fulfilled. You know, the people of God, the Jewish people, they were living in the promised land, but they were living under the thumb, under the oppression of Rome. And if you went anywhere in their, in their community, any of the places on the map that you saw before, you would think that the kingdom of Caesar was in charge. Caesar's head was on the coin. The Roman soldiers ran the communities. You had to pay tax to the system. Everything looked like Caesar was Lord, that the kingdom of Rome or the kingdom of Caesar was in charge. And it's into this context that Jesus is bringing the good news of God's reality. So the language Jesus uses is kingdom. There's this kingdom of Rome, or there's this kingdom that we may be used to live under. There's all the oppressive regime. There's all these kingdoms that are made by human hands, but there's another kingdom. There's another kingdom. And Jesus is saying that in him, it's about to be released. It's about to break forth. It's at hand. It's near. It's close. You can touch it. You can taste it. You can step into it. This reality that God has, the kingdom of God. And because it's a metaphor, you can use other metaphors as well. The kingdom is a strong metaphor, but other metaphors might be the way of God. There's all these different ways to approach life, but there's a God way. There's a reality, the reality of God is that he has a way. So you might call the kingdom of God the way of God or the mission of God. That God has an agenda. God is up to something. God has a mission and he wants you to be involved. The family of God, the network of God, the tribe of God, the community of God. Whatever you want to call it, the kingdom of God is an invitation to advance. It's an invitation to live the, the life of God, the kingdom of God, alongside other people. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 4 verse 18, it moves on. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Going back to the Orthodox Triangle, Jesus moves to this location because he's looking out. He's looking out for people that he can build his kingdom with. And I love this. I love that he finds these four young guys by the side of the lake, fishing, just going about their normal day-to-day. Nothing that other people would have seen as spectacular, or you wouldn't look at them and think, oh yeah, these are the guys that are going to change the world forever. You know, these are the guys that are going to help build uh, the religion, Christianity, that has shaped human history. You know, these are the guys that are going to change everything. They're just normal fishermen. Northerners, by the way. Normal fishermen. Normal guys. Grit, determination, hard work, passion. And I love this. I love that Jesus knew their name. Jesus had got to know them. Jesus saw them. Other people just saw a fisherman. Other people just saw a Jew. You know, the Romans might have just seen a Jew. You know, just someone that we own, someone that we possess. But Jesus saw them and he saw their names. I don't know everyone's name in this room, but Jesus knows your name. He sees you. I love this idea that in Scripture, Jesus eyeballs people. He comes face to face with Andrew and Simon, Peter and James and John. And he says, come follow me. 
And I think today, for many of us, there's going to be the sense of Jesus looks you in the eye and he says, come, follow me. Fishermen, go fish. I love that. They know how to fish. And Jesus is saying, you know how to do this. Now I'm going to ask you to use that passion, use that skill, but for my kingdom, for my purpose, for my mission. Fishermen, go and fish. Architects taught how to build communities. Teachers taught how to reveal truth. Artists called to fill the world with wonder. Builders called to construct a better world. Analysts called to spot trends that shape the future. Writers to inspire imaginations. Activists to bang the drum calling for justice. Cooks to prepare a feast for all to come and share. Emergency workers to care for those in need. Doctors to bring healing to the world. Carers to nurture and protect. Pastors to shepherd. Business people to create an economy that reflects God's heart. Whoever you are in this, in this room, whoever you are on the live stream, God calls you. Any fishermen in the room? No. So that doesn't mean you're out. So all the non-fishermen in the world, we're in. We are called as well. Jesus says to the fishermen, go fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I'm going to give you a new purpose, a new calling to fish for people, to bring people into my kingdom. But whoever you are in this room today, I say, I think God, he knows you. He sees you. He sees your passion. And he says, architect, come build. Teacher, come teach. Pastor, come shepherd. And your challenge, the question to you is, will you follow? Now, these disciples heard the call to come follow me. You know what? Some people said no. Some people said no to Jesus. Some people said it's too hard. The call is too big. But some followed and their lives were changed and they changed human history forever. Last couple of verses and I'm going to give you a, a response. Matthew 4, verse 23 to 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. He's now got this team that he's building, these young men and women, this team that he's building. And he begins to teach in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them all. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So this passage ends with the kingdom of God, the mission of God, advancing. Jesus is building his team, and now he's beginning to advance his kingdom. Beyond the desert, we advance. We go together. We can be a team together. And what do we do? We advance God's kingdom. What does that look like? Lives healed, like Shane's story. Restoring what was broken. Freedom for those who are trapped. Through proclaiming the good news to the world around us. The good news of God's reality. The kingdom of God. So I've got, a, I've got an invitation for each one of us. Maybe the band, thank you, maybe the band could come and join me. A few weeks ago, Dan spoke really powerfully about how in this desert experience that we've all been through, that there's maybe uh, things that we need to put down, things that we need to leave behind, things that we need to give to God. I want to say to us this morning, maybe there's things that we need to pick up. Maybe there's some new things as we're going beyond the desert into this new season. Maybe there's some things for us to pick up. So I've got three things for us to pick up, three invitations. 
a renewed identity. That as we become followers of Jesus, as we repent, and as we turn, and as we return, our identities are renewed. You're still who you are. You're still where you're from. You're still the same person. Simon, Andrew, James, and John, they were still the same. They were still fishermen from Galilee. But now they were fishing for people. Now they were part of the kingdom movement. Now they had this new identity as little Christs, as followers of Christ. So my first invitation is this, to pick up a new identity. Identity as someone who is a follower of Jesus. That we identify ourselves with Jesus. My second thing to pick up is this, a calling, a new sense of calling. Maybe years ago you felt like God has called me to do something and maybe that's been laid dormant, maybe that's been forgotten. Maybe today is the day to pick that up again. Maybe there's a new sense of calling. God's put this passion in, inside of me to care, to create, to, uh, to be an activist, whatever it might be. So not a fisherman, no fisherman in the room, no fisherman in the live stream, but whoever you are, whatever is in you, God wants to say, teachers, come and teach. Calling, maybe a new sense of calling today to be a part of this kingdom movement. And the last one is this, a new sense of authority. Jesus begins to advance his kingdom, bring healing to lives, restored lives, and he gets these young disciples involved. We are carriers of his kingdom. So the three things that you could pick up today, a new sense of identity, a new sense of calling, and a new sense of kingdom authority. And as we come into worship, I'd love to pray for us. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.